Good morning, and welcome to our Daily Word and Prayer. My name is Tom Short, so glad to have you along with us today. To get in the Word of God and talk about and begin a new series today where we're going to be talking about the Beatitudes. The Beatitudes are an awesome, awesome, awesome teaching. It is Jesus' declaration of where true joy can be found, where true life can be found. And as we live by the Beatitudes, we will live a blessed life in the eyes of God. The Beatitudes are eight statements where Jesus begins in the Sermon on the Mount, begins by saying, blessed are they. And he has eight different descriptions and promises for those who live by those qualities. Indeed, they're the eight qualities that I would suggest any one of us grow in, develop in, and that we pray for and hope for these qualities to develop in our children and our grandchildren, in our leadership. These are great qualities to be developed in every single person. Let's begin by taking a look at what the word blessed means. I like the Amplified Bible that helps bring out the meaning of it. The Amplified Bible puts it this way, blessed or happy to be envied and spiritually prosperous, that is, with life, joy, and satisfaction in God's favor and salvation, regardless of their outward conditions. Let me read that again for those of you who are listening on the podcast. Happy to be envied and spiritually prosperous, that is, with life joy, that's what we all want, and satisfaction in God's favor. This is how the favor of God will rest upon you, these eight qualities we will be looking at over the next few days with God's favor and salvation, regardless of their outward conditions. We all know that that God doesn't promise that our outward conditions will always be favorable. There are times that Christians deal with sickness, deal with trials, have hardships, financial hardships, relational hardships, persecution, All kinds of things outwardly can be difficult for us. Now, of course, in our case, we build our house on the rock. And that's why Jesus said, even when the storms of life come, we'll be able to stand and stand firm. And our house, our foundation, because our foundation is strong, the house we build or the life we build won't be shattered and crushed. Even when we face the storms of life. And he doesn't promise the storms will not come. As a matter of fact, it's pretty clear the storms will come. We'll just endure through them and be strong through them. And what we see here is these beatitude qualities are qualities that enable us to be strong in the storms of life. So again, blessed, happy, to be envied, and spiritually prosperous. This is what we want. This is what you want, I know. You wouldn't be here watching if you didn't want this. To be spiritually prosperous, to live life under the favor of God, under his salvation. These are the eight qualities. So let's let's look at uh, uh let's look here at the first one, shall we? And let me see if I can find it here. The first quality: blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. What's this mean? 
I like the, again, other translations that help us develop this idea. Blessed are those, many translations, many versions of the Bible will translate, even the New American, which I use, will translate this. Blessed are those who recognize their spiritual poverty. This is a, such an important quality. It has to do with humility. It has to do with truthfulness. We live in a time in our day and age when people think that they're fine, they're okay, that they think they're that spiritually and emotionally and physically, maybe they have been hurt by someone or they are a victim of someone else's meanness or someone else's cruelty or something like this, but they believe that if so, if there's a problem, it's someone else's fault, someone else inflicted that upon them. The truth is, the Bible teaches that we all are spiritually poor, lacking, without. We're not, we, we're not in, uh, naturally in a good position. We're sinners. We've, re, we've joined into a rebellion against the Almighty. Paul says in Ephesians 2 that we're dead in our trespasses and sins. Now, not only in our day, but people always want to, to contend that they have the capacity and the ability to be okay and righteous in the eyes of God. We call this self-righteousness. This was the problem with the Pharisees. They would contend that they kept the law, that they they did all that was required, and they were in fine position before God. This is the problem with people in our day. Even atheists on campus, when I talk, atheists are convinced that even if there is a God, they're good enough to make it to heaven. Sometimes in our day, the people who have the worst sins, the sins that, that they ought to be most ashamed of, boast that they're fine, that God made them the way he made them. And they're just living out that that God wants them to live out who He made them to be, and basically, if it feels good, you do it. And rather than them having a problem, it's they're they're actually doing the right thing. And if they have a problem, again, it's someone else's fault, not their own. They're a victim. This idea of spiritual poverty, I believe, is essential—the essential step preceding salvation. Now, when I say essential, there are people who have faith in Jesus who maybe never really experienced this spiritual poverty, but it's a rarity. And I found that usually when people say, we say, come to Christ and have never really embraced their own spiritual failure, their own spiritual poverty, I find they often don't last. And it's very, very important, I mean, very significant question, did they really get saved? Were they, did they have a sense of their own lostness? Did they have a sense of their own brokenness, a sense of their own sinfulness, a sense of their need for Jesus? Or was just all they, or all they were doing is some intellectual exercise, oh, God wants to give me something? Sure, I'll take it. What do I need to believe? You see, salvation is something deeper. Salvation touches the soul. To, to have the kingdom of heaven, which I believe is merely... A, a, a statement of entering into salvation, entering into God's, in fellowship with God, entering into the this relationship, it begins with a poverty of spirit. It begins with a recognition. I'm lost. 
I'm a sinful person. I'm, I, I cannot save myself. It, and, it's, and for some, it may just be intellectual, but for most, it's deeper than that. It's a sense of, I have really failed the Almighty. I look at my own testimony, can't help but do so. I grew up often thinking I'm basically okay. I'm not bad like those other people I know. I'm certainly not a Hitler. I'm certainly not, you know, like these evil people. And even the people in my school, there were some that were really bad ones. There's some who were good people, and I was in the good group. And you might say I was would have been like a Pharisee, like a whitewashed tomb, like someone who who thought I'm, uh, uh, even though I looked good on the outside, on the inside, Jesus would have said I was filled with dead men's bones or lust, greed, hypocrisy, etc. I was as lost as anybody. I was as sinful as anybody, but I didn't realize it. I thought that because I was, I had certain control of myself and because I was better than many others, I was good enough. We tend to do this, the pecking order, we put ourselves there. But it was when I began to read the scripture for myself, there became this growing conviction upon me. I'm a sinner. I'm not good enough. There's something wrong with me. I'm lost. And I began to have, for the first time in my life, as a result of reading God's word, I became aware that, that I'm not, if, if I die, I'm probably going to go to, I'm not going to go to heaven. Wasn't sure I'd go to hell, but I began to suspect I might. I realized I'd have trouble getting into heaven. There became an awareness of my own failures, awareness of my own faults, my awareness that I am a sinner. Oh, for years, I, if someone would have said, Tommy, you're a sinner, I would have said, sure, everybody's a sinner. I've made mistakes. But if you would have asked me, am I guilty before a holy God and worthy of his judgment, I would have said, no, I'm not that bad. You see, I was not poor in spirit. I did not recognize my spiritual poverty. I was self-righteous. And I believe that many times we short-circuit the gospel message by bringing a person to pray a sinner's prayer or come to salvation before they have this poverty of spirit. And thus, it's like we're picking the fruit before it's ready to be picked. And, and even though they may pray a prayer, sometimes it's short. Again, it's not real yet it, because they not have, the, have this awareness. Let me tell you, when you share the gospel, spend time, help people make sure that they're really lost before you get them saved, and their salvation will be real. This is why Jesus, when he was talking to the Pharisees, he said that the tax collectors and harlots will enter the kingdom of heaven before you. Why would he say that? Not because they were better people, but because unlike the Pharisees, they knew they were bad people. They knew they were sinners. I know there's people who tell me, you don't need to talk much about the law and about sin because people realize they're sinners. I disagree. I think most people out there don't realize where they really stand before God. They need to be brought under the conviction of the Holy Spirit, and God uses his word to make that happen. Peter's a good example of this in, in Luke chapter 5. And when Peter, when they caught the fish, Jesus said, cast on the other side. He said, we fished all night. He said, do it anyway. He said, well, Lord, at your bidding, I will. And when Simon Peter saw that, he, they would cut all these fish. He fell down at Jesus' feet saying, go away from me, Lord, for I am a sinful man, Luke 5, 8. Jesus 
said, don't worry, from now on you'll be catching men. The point being that Peter, something in Peter, when he saw Jesus and he had argued with him, we fished all night, we know what we're doing, but at your bidding, I'll check the other side. And then they caught all these fish. He realized that he was around someone in the presence of a holy Jesus who was different than him. And Peter suddenly said, go away, I'm a sinful man. I hope you've had this experience. I hope you've come to the point in your life where you realize your own lostness, your own sinfulness, and you don't blame others. You don't say it's someone else's fault. It's my parents, my mother, my dad, someone who hurt me, someone who bullied me. But you say, I, I own that I have fallen short. I am a sinful person deserving of God's judgment. But that's step one to being able to receive the forgiveness that's found in our Lord Jesus Christ. Blessed, spiritually prosperous, to be envied, truly happy, are those who recognize their spiritual poverty, their true position, who don't deny it, but recognize what is really true about themselves. You are now fertile ground to receive the salvation of God. Oh, Father in heaven, we bless you today. We give you praise and thanksgiving, and we readily acknowledge that apart from you, we're nothing, we can do nothing, we have nothing, we are nothing. We acknowledge that apart from Jesus Christ, we are lost. And this is our condition, dead in our sins, separated from God, worthy of judgment, not of life, worthy of judgment. Help us, Lord, to embrace this. Help us, Lord, know how to teach this to our children. We want our children to have a healthy self-esteem, but help us to be honest about their true condition before you and help them understand their own lost position and need of salvation. I pray this. I pray in our land. I pray in our country where there's very little fear of God and so many people are celebrating their own sinfulness that you might give grace and pour out your spirit and an understanding to people of their deep, deep spiritual poverty and need of salvation in Jesus Christ. And we pray this in your name. Amen and amen. Hey, thanks for being with me today. I am so glad to have you along as we get into the Word of God each day, talk about it. If you're new, welcome. I hope you will join us. Subscribe to the channel, hit the like button, leave a comment, introduce yourself. I always like to know you. And to those of you here every day, tell your friends as we go through this Beatitudes. This is going to be a great series. I think you'll really be blessed by it. I think others will as well. So until we meet tomorrow, might the Lord strengthen you and fill you with this joy. I look forward to seeing you then. Bye-bye.